This episode of Pastor Well was recorded in the spring of 2020 during the coronavirus crisis. We were using Zoom to capture these episodes, so you may notice a difference in the audio quality. Still, we're grateful for the opportunity we've been provided to interview guests that would have otherwise been really difficult to get in the studio. We hope you'll enjoy it, and thanks for listening to Pastor Well. Conversations with prominent pastors, teachers, and leaders. This is the Pastor Well Podcast from Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Now your host, Dr. Herschel York. Hello and welcome to the Pastor Well Podcast. This is Herschel York. I'm the Dean of the School of Theology at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm also pastor of the Buck Run Baptist Church in Frankfurt. The Pastor Well Podcast is dedicated to helping servants of the Lord Jesus Christ be more faithful in ministry. We do that by engaging in conversation with those that can instruct us and encourage us. And I have long been instructed and encouraged by today's guest, Dr. Ronnie Floyd. Welcome to Pastor Well. Herschel, it is outstanding to be with you. And I'm so glad finally our schedules were able to come together to record this for you. Yeah, man, it, it's it's been a while between our schedules and a global pandemic. Uh, it's been a little tough to arrange, but I'm so glad. Uh, that you're finally here. Let me just tell our folks about you. So Dr. Floyd is the president and CEO of the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, Man, he's a man of many accomplishments. Uh, He and his wife, Gina, have been married for 42 years. They have two sons, Josh and Nick. uh, And uh, Dr. Floyd has been involved in Southern Baptist leadership for a long time, having served two terms as president of the Southern Baptist Convention. He was chairman of the Great Commission Task Force uh, in 2009 and 2010. He's been on the executive committee that uh, now now he serves as president of uh, and uh, pastored five churches over the span of 43 years, but the last 32 years of those were as senior pastor of Cross Church, a multi-campus church in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, man, uh, you've written, I don't know how many books, a lot of books. Uh, you're, uh, you really are burdened for spiritual awakening and prayer. Uh, you blessed my life and just your encouragement, uh, in prayer and fasting. Uh, frankly, especially years ago when I was, when I was still a young man, you influenced, influenced me in those ways. Uh, I'm confident you do not remember the first time I met you. Mm, yeah. When was uh, it? It was in a motel room. I forget where in Arkansas. Mm. Uh, the year, this may be an unpleasant memory. I don't know. The year you ran for president of the Arkansas Baptist Convention. Yeah. Against Mike Huckabee. Is that right? Not so long ago it was. Wow. Amazing. I was a uh, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Marion, Arkansas, clear oh, on the sure. other side of the state. I know where that is. And our mutual friend, David Miller, yes. uh, got me involved, you know, and, I, and I was a student at Mid-America yeah. and became pastor there at Marion. And yeah. so David Miller said, you got to come and vote for Ronnie Floyd for president of the Arkansas Baptist Convention. And I came and brought me 
John MacArthur preached uh, at the pastor's conference that year. I got to meet him. So that one is around, I'm going to say, 89. That's correct. It was 1989. Yeah. Uh, so that was the first time I met you. Now, I was just a nobody in the room uh, then and, and did little more than meet you. Well, I was a kid then, man. I was not very old. Yeah, you think you were a kid. Yeah, I mean, I was I was still in my 20s Yeah, at that time. Um, the next time I met you was going to, I'm going to say it was around 1996. It was either five or six. You hosted a bunch of young pastors there at, it was then called First Baptist of Springdale, Arkansas. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, you got recommendations from some key leaders like Adrian Rogers and guys like that about who you should have for like a Paul Timothy conference. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I, I can't tell you what an impact it made on me. Oh, I was so glad to hear. Uh, by that time I was pastor at Ashland Avenue in Lexington. It was at that conference that I met Kevin Ezell <laughs> and uh, Steve Gaines. Yeah. Grant Etheridge, uh, you know, you, you look at the guys that were sitting around that table. I remember Kai Bowman was there. Kai Bowman. Yeah. There was a bunch of some major leaders today. Yeah. And you poured into them, man. You had an impact. I, well, here's what I remember leaving that conference with, mm. uh, was a, a glimpse of what ministry could be. Mm. Uh, and what it what it looked like to lead a people uh, lovingly, passionately, firmly, and I mean that in the best possible sense. Uh, I came away from there going, okay, now I see what I how I want to shape the church I serve. And man, you 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 were just so encouraging. You and, and uh, Gina and Tanya and I left there just really filled with ideas and encouragement, and it made a major impact. I, I want to say thank you. This many years later, that still matters in my life. Well, thank you, Herschel. I remember that fondly. We were amazed that anyone even came, and when they did, you know, we had a small group. It was intentionally done with just a, you know, a small group. I think we may have had 20 pastors in the room, something like that. Yeah. And, um, it was, it was a powerful time, and uh, I, I remember you being there, Kevin being there, all those people you named, and it's just amazing to see what the Lord has done with all of us, yeah. uh, which just shows his grace and mercy towards men of God. Yeah, you know, it was, it was unthinkable mm. that a guy like me would end up teaching at Southern Seminary. Mm. You know, I mean just didn't even seem in the realm of possibility at that time that uh, that could happen. You know, I was a graduate of mid America. This, uh, you know, was labeled by the guys we call liberals. They call themselves moderates, but you know, mid America was called fundamentalist. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just look back at that time, you know, it was, Kevin was brand new at Highview at that point. I mean, he, he was in his first months at Highview mm-hmm. and get beat to death. Uh, and, you know, it was just a significant time. Amen. And I, I, I can't remember the sequence, whether it was Bill Bright's book or your book, 
that I read first, but they both had a real impact on me. And uh, I, I began uh, a major fast. I've, I've done three 40-day fasts uh, since that time. And the Lord has used them really powerfully in my life. Amen. It gave me a heart for just to walk with God. You, you really encouraged me in so, so many ways in, in just pursuing Christ. Uh, again, I'm grateful. Well, you know, Herschel, what, what really, what really uh, encourages me is to hear you talk like that. But knowing where you are today, I mean, to know that we have one of the deans of one of the schools at the largest seminary uh, existent at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, uh, and you having a passionate heart for God, and you being a pastor uh, while you do that, I, I just love that because that's what makes that's what makes us understand so many things about ministry and about life. And back to your issue relating to the book, Dr. Bright's book. Um, I was not even aware of, I don't believe until after I was already in the, in the middle of a 40 day fast in 1995, I think his book came out in 90, maybe in early 1995, maybe 1994, but I think it may have been early 1995. I think my book on fasting came out. Um, I believe it was 1997. It's already been reprinted and we redid the entire book, probably released, re-released again probably five years ago on the power of prayer and fasting. Well, I really believe in it. You know, uh, the most recent time, right before Buck Run moved into our new building uh, in 2016, I went on a 40-day fast that concluded the, the, the first service, that first day in our building. And I will tell you, the Lord has largely answered everything I asked him to do in, the, in, that, uh, in that time. Amen. Uh, so, you know, I want to talk to you about you, you are the consummate pastor, the growth that you were able to see at Springdale. I mean, tell me, tell me about it. Just help us know the, the scale of what happened when you went there. It was what size of a church? Uh, well, I think the church had around 3000 members when we went there um, in 1986, something like that. And, um, which was obviously a large church in that time. Um, and it was not the largest church in Arkansas. Uh, but I think we had around 3,000 members, something of that nature. We also had a, a uh, not actual attenders. I said members. I want to make that clear. But, the, but we had a large bus ministry then. When I got there at Springdale, it was a lot of, um, some would call it more independent Baptist practices. Mm -hmm. I would not call it that. It was just effective. And they had done that for a number of years. I think 500 children at one time, uh, they were bringing in when I, when I first went there. And, uh, and we, we held that up for a number of years. And then finally, you know, it just continued to decline because of what we were seeing in the culture. And, uh, you know, we haven't, the church has not had a bus ministry, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, um, at least it ended. Uh, in the life of the church. But, you know, when we left, I think the, you know, the church membership was around 20,000. Uh, we would touch about um, nine to 10,000 a week when I left. And uh, the budget when I went there was 
uh, right at a million dollars. And now, you know, we're over $21 million budget and, uh, you know, built a lot of buildings, went into multi-campus mode in the year 2000. We were one of the first, I think, probably one of the first 200 churches in America, unknowing to us then, but that's looking back in history as people have recorded the significance of when that movement began. And we started having multi-campuses in 2001 is when it actually came into reality. And so, you know, God has been good. And, you know, you mentioned the part about prayer and fasting and all those matters. Listen, when God touched our church in 1995 in a fresh way, and that church got a new pastor, and that pastor got a new church, and neither pastor nor church moved, yeah. but God created a new me, and God began to create a new them, and together just wed us just enormously by his grace through a mighty spiritual moment of revival and a season of revival. The church just was already growing, but just went into great, great proportions of uh, towards the future. And out of desperation for more space in, in the year 2000, uh, 2001, we determined that multi-campus was our best opportunity. And so uh, even though we didn't know about it, we only knew one church that had done it, and that was Second Baptist Houston. And so I talked to Dr. Young, and we talked about how to do it. And basically, we, by faith, did it. And, you know, the cross-church miracle is just amazing. And it's still there. I mean, I've been gone now, Herschel, for uh, 11 months. It's, uh, you know, I miss the church um, in every way. I miss my people in every way. Um, but I'm here by divine, by divine calling. I would have never left. You know, a lot of people, um, you know, you've met them. Um, you may even have worked with some of them. Um, you know, there are unhappy campers in the pastorate. Gina and I, we love pastoring. I mean, I love being a pastor, and she loved being a pastor's wife. And, uh, man, we were, we were signed up for life all the way to death in Northwest Arkansas because that's where God had called us and seemed to have determined to leave us there by divine appointment. Yeah. And uh, boy, out of the blue, I ended up in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, you know, in a place I didn't really know a lot of people, still don't know a lot of people. Now we're in a global pandemic, so I <laughs> haven't worked in the office in eight weeks except for four or five days when I came in, like I'm here today, and hopefully starting next week, we're going to be staging some back in. And so, you know, it's been a unique, challenging time um, going to this opportunity and Canceling the Southern Baptist Convention, um, you know, I don't, I don't the, cancel anything. You the know? word unprecedented gets thrown around every day now because yeah. everything's unprecedented. We've never been here before. I know, very, very challenging, you know. But you guys, you know, men like you, y'all, and really, I can just say this to you, Herschel. Um, I am so thrilled at the innovation that our pastors across America, not just in the SBC, but beyond the SBC, who love Jesus, committed to the Word of God, their innovation of, of trying everything in the world to try to stay in touch with their people. I mean, it's just really impressive. And, uh, you know, I, I just praise the Lord for, for that, because I think when we finally come back, I mean, we're going to have a potent 
opportunity before us if we continue to seize the moment. You know, we've all said for years, oh, the church is not a building. Yeah. Well, buddy, we've been we've seen it demonstrated and we've Absolutely. proven now in a way that we never had opportunity. I mean, the fact that I mean, you might have a church build its building burned down or it get flooded or whatever, but this is every church. Absolutely. I mean, every church basically in the world going through this, and we are having to learn new ways of doing things. Uh, when the day that we made the decision. I mean, I can tell you, I made the decision on March the 12th. Mm. Uh, it was like, okay, we're, we're going to have services online Sunday. And I made that call before, before many in Kentucky did by the next day or the day after that, I'd made it the call on a Thursday by Saturday. It was like everybody, but I told my guys at Buck Run, I said, look, we're going to communicate, communicate, communicate. I don't know how long this thing's going to last, but the one thing we're going to do is stay in touch with our people. And we've, you know, we post stuff. We're doing stuff we've never done before. I'm doing a Q&A on Sunday afternoon about the sermon Sunday morning. Sort of look under the hood. We're doing pastor chat. Tanya recorded this morning pastor wives chat where she's talking to our pastor's wives. And, and we're, you know, we're just figuring out ways to do this. It's fun. It's exciting. It's, it's also exhausting. But you can't let down in a time like this. You, you've really got to rise to the occasion. You see that on a much bigger scale because you're now helping lead the entire Southern Baptist Convention. And I know no one person does that, uh, no matter what their title. Uh, but you really are having to make some historic decisions uh, in conjunction with other leaders, like not to have the SBC. How do you think we as a convention are doing with all this? Well, I believe, uh, first of all, I think our churches are doing quite well uh, doing the kind of things you described. I won't take the time to describe them, but I think that, that, that that's happening. That's happening in places uh, where I would have never imagined to them to have happened with pastors who were not even doing technology. And so thank God for, uh, for us being where we are as a, Formal as far as a convention itself, how we're doing in relationship to the work around uh, each state convention and through our churches, um, and then through our national convention and beyond. I I'm 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 encouraged, Herschel. I I think it's time for us to go back to church as soon as possible, um, mm -hmm. in a safe way. But there's also there's a sense of urgency growing in the hearts of pastors. Uh, the mental health of, of all of us leading is uh, really being challenged probably over the last two or three weeks since Easter uh, in a way that I had not seen it before. And, and I did expect it. In fact, I, I believed it because, you know, pastors are very driven to, uh, to causes or to days of significance. Right. Um, and when that's out there, you know, it's like that finish line of running a race and or finishing your workout or your exercise routine. You're 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 thanking God for it. Uh, but boy, I knew after Easter it was going to be it was moving into a whole different level. But here's the great news: uh, we have seen what Southern Baptists call the cooperative program. Our financial fuel it helps us take the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, 
regionally, statewide, nationally, and internationally. We, we've seen that on display. We're not bringing missionaries home because of lack of money. We're not bringing uh, church planters home because there's no money for them. We're not, we're not, we, we are there because the churches of this convention have made a strong commitment to make sure that that occurs. Now, we know that that's going to be very challenging in days to come. We're not sure where it's going, Herschel. We don't know. We were in, we were in a banner year of the cooperative program giving in relationship to the, to the previous, in the first six months of the fiscal year. I mean, we really felt like we were going to move into a whole new arena that we had not been in uh, really since before the recession. And um, so, you know, we now know that even though because we did well the first six months, month seven, uh, we knew would be the challenge because that was the first full month of the pandemic. We didn't see a challenge in March at all nationally. I'm sure some state conventions did, some churches did, but in reality, nationally, we didn't see it. We, we have seen it in April, but, I, but it's not as severe as what I even thought possibly uh, could happen. And I think we were 8.3% down uh, in cooperative program giving at the national level uh, in relationship to that. Um, some would have expected that to be 20 or 30. Um, yep. I'm not saying that that may not come. I, I think May and June are going to be the real test times. And we believe that even 45 days ago, because we felt like that would be come the challenge. But here's another issue. And it's not an issue. It's really a blessing. So many of our churches who never had online giving are now having online giving. That's right. And, you know, and so, you know, if, if we just will maintain some of the things we've learned out of this um, in some of the church practices, we're going to see the church ascend in mission. And I believe we're going to see the church ascend financially. And while there are some churches that are struggling financially, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I'm in, I'm in a city downtown Nashville today. It, 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 it's not like a ghost town, but it's close. Right. And, and, and there are more people here than have been downtown in a while, but next week it appears or tomorrow it appears that things are going to pick up and we're moving into stage one formally tomorrow, I believe. And so, and that just got announced. And so the whole point is, is that, is that, is that, is that, is that there are some good things happening in the middle of this. And when we come out of it, man, the potential is going to be great. So some churches are facing challenges. You can't, you can't give what you don't have. And so, you know, we're, we know that that's going to happen. But at the same time, thank God for churches that are, that are maintaining their giving and the churches that are surpassing their giving. And some of our churches are doing that. And so praise God for that. I don't know where all that lands related to the cooperative program uh, and what we do around the world. But here's my word on that, Herschel. I just appeal to our churches to do all you can to help us keep our missionaries on the field. We just need to do all we can to do it. We have 3,700 missionaries right now across the seas, and they have 2,880 children. And we need to do our best unless it's imperative they come home because of threat or, or this, even the threat of the coronavirus, right. and we keep them on the field for God's glory so they can take the gospel to the world. That's right. Um, as a 
as a guy who pastors a church that gives between 10 and 11% to a cooperative program, you know, my, it, it matters to my folks. We, we Luke. believe in the mission. I will also say, you know, I, I believe, have you been to Cuba? Yes, I have. Sure. It's one of the most spiritually formative times of my life. Mm-hmm. They're doing stuff with nothing. That's right. I mean, I, I, I'm seeing the, you go to Cuba, you're seeing the gospel thrive. Yes, and they're true. not asking us for American money and support. They're showing us what they're doing. Government's not letting them build uh, buildings, so they're converting their homes That's right. into preaching points for the gospel. It's just stunning. So here's what I know is the gospel will thrive if we'll be faithful. There's no question about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe we should do it through whatever resources the Lord gives us financially. But the reality is Jesus is Lord uh, and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against his church. We can rest in that fact uh, no matter what the circumstances. And we just have to remind ourselves, of, you know, we need to preach to ourselves sometimes that uh, the Lord's in control and uh, whatever Satan might mean for evil, God can use for good. Absolutely. And that's, that's our hope and trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, how have you made personally, the transition from being a pastor, a shepherd, walking through life with the same people week in, week out, studying and preparing sermons, to now doing something very, very different. And during this global pandemic, really not doing probably much of that at all. Your life is very different now than it would have been if you were still in the pastor during this time. Yeah, very different, uh, Herschel. Thanks for the question. Uh, It's definitely a, a great question. Uh, first of all, I, I really came here just really deeply uh, by what I felt God called me to do. Um, and everything intellectually was saying, you know, don't do this. I mean, dude, you're walking away from a lot, and why would you do that? But yet I know that with all I am, I, I felt that God had, had really called me here. And so Gene and I, we we made that decision. We made that decision, uh, and then we were voted on, I think, last April, and then my last Sunday at Cross Church was May the 19th, and, and I was in Nashville on May the 20th, and um, so, you know, I, I, it's been, a, it's been, it was fine the first several months. I mean, it really was, um, and I was so busy. I mean, I think I spoke uh, 150 something times in a matter of seven or eight months in different venues and, you know, just in all kind of stuff, you know, I mean, it's just a lot of stuff and yeah. I'm committed to do this job, right. Herschel, you know, if I'm going to, I came here for one thing. I came here to take the gospel to the world. Yeah. Bottom line. That's why I came here. I came here to reach America. That's it. I'm not a denominationalist in relationship to your normal guy that, is that I'm a pastor, you know, and I miss my people. I miss preaching to the same people. Preach, lack of preaching has not been my problem. It's just a matter of, of that, that heartbeat of the cheering squad out there mm-hmm. uh, called the church that prays for you, and they may not even utter an amen when you preach, but they love you, and they commit to you, and they pray for you. They give to the church. They win people to Christ. 
and in a large church like we had at Cross Church, even as much as I wanted to know people, and, I, and if anybody knew them, I knew them, because they all came in as a whole uh, all these years. But at the same time, I couldn't remember everybody, you know, by name. But they loved me, and I loved them. And, you know, I tell you, it's, it's been a real challenge since the pandemic, because when we canceled the SBC, as you all know, I was – I was came here and I'd worked with Kevin Ezell and Paul Chipwood and um, members of our Great Commission Council, our state convention leaders, many of our association leaders on formulating what I'd call Vision 2025, a five-year uh, ministry that had five strategic actions of where SBC ought to be going in the future. And that's why I thought we could just move the dial. And then a month and I, after that meeting or right at that, we had to cancel the SBC due to the global pandemic. And, you know, that's a whole different discussion what we do with the vision, um, but, but it will come about. It's just a matter of, of how it comes about and when, but we can't really do that until get it approved until the Tennessee convention next year uh, in 2021 that we have here with the SBC. But boy, after that, you know, I have been so busy. I mean, I have, I have first of all, I've talked to, a few thousand pastors. I mean, I really have. And it's been all through like we're doing today. Zoom calls, 150 of them here, 200 here, 300, 400 here. I mean, I've been in all kind of matters, convening leaders from all levels of Southern Baptist life, uh, staying in touch with uh, so many people. And, you know, it's mentally, it's spiritually, it's physically exhausting. It really is. And it's been endless. I mean, literally endless. But, but only until the last three or four weeks have Gene and I really struggled. You know, it's been, it's just been, I, I think we're, we're just in it and we know we're in it and we're not, we're not in it. You know, we're missing our people. We're missing, it's missing the team. And our team here at the exec committee personal is relatively small. People would imagine the home office is large, but it's not large. No, it's it, not. It, it's not supposed to be large like any nonprofit would be. I mean, you're not going to place major budget dollars in keeping them in the home office. But, but our team, we only have around 30 people on our team um, that do all that we do. And we do a lot of different things and represent the SBC in all kinds of places and ways. And, uh, but in that, they live all over Nashville. So it's not like church where you go to church okay. with them. And they're all in different churches themselves. Yeah, and they're, they're all sprinkles north, south, east, west. Gina and I, we landed in Brentwood, Tennessee, and, and I drive into the office when I'm, when I'm here and, and, uh, and all. And, um, you know, so it's a transition moment. You know, and transitioning into an abnormal life and now in an abnormal, abnormal life, you know, is just really, really a challenge. But God... You know, I'm just really, I just begged God this morning again, you know, Lord, just help me to be faithful and to keep my eyes on Jesus and know God's called me because I know that. And, uh, you know, I've, you and I have both have preached it, you know, and I preached it for years and now I'm living it again. If the call doesn't take you, the call won't keep you there. That's right. That's right. And, um, and so I'm so thankful that 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 Gina and I know that, and we praise God for that. One special blessing that I know you both feel is that your son Nick was called 
to succeed you as pastor across church. That must be a, a very special delight. Yes, it, it really was special. There's no doubt about it. You know, about two years ago, Herschel, the, uh, the board of uh, leaders at our church, uh, we call them board of directors formally. They're basically a pastor's council, but formally they take care of all the financial matters, legal matters, all those matters that preachers don't, you know, need to be in by themselves. And, um, and these nine men, I, I had a conversation with them about uh, the future. I said, listen, I said, you know what? Something could happen to me. I said, well, we just need to start talking about, you know, doing the future, you know, without Ronnie Floyd. Uh, I mean, because I'm, I'm out, I'm doing this, doing that. And I never imagined, in fact, my words to them, I said, I'm not worried about going to another church. That's not going to happen. I'm not worried about going anywhere else. That's not going to happen. So, you know, and I don't know when I want to leave. I want to preach till as long as I can. And I've already been there 30 years. And they said, oh, that's fine. And I, we agree with that. Because, I mean, there's a real corporate influence there. It's a home of Walmart, J.B. Hunt, Tyson Foods, University of Arkansas, and a lot of other companies. And so, you know, they appreciated that. Absolutely, Pastor. But, you know, you don't need to worry about it. Pastor, because I think God's already got our successor here. And those men in that setting, they said, I said, what? And, and they initially brought Nick's name up. I said, whoa, no, this is not about any of that. No, no, we're not going there. I just want us to pray about it for a year. What is God saying? Well, we had decided, um, you know, that probably in the year 2020, we were going to take it public because about a year later, they decided they really believed that God wanted Nick to be that person. And they had done some matters with some other people privately and confidentially. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, that was already decided, even though not formally, because uh, we were going to take it formally and just say, listen, church, if something happens to uh, Pastor Ronnie, uh, we just want everybody to understand we already believe God has sent our success. And he's here. And we want you to know that. We want you to uh, just right now have your voice in that and go through a process and then have that voice. I was the last one to come onto that, Herschel, because that was not any of my attention. I never even thought that. But, but when we started the Fayetteville campus, uh, Nick came to me and he said, Dad, I'd love to do that campus. I really believe God wants me to do it. And um, long story short, that campus just exploded. And just, I mean, exploded. And so God used that in a way that we would have never thought because it gave, he had to land that on his own. You know what I'm saying? He, he's the guy. Well, Nick uh, is incredibly gifted. Uh, and uh, I, I have the deepest admiration for him. Uh, he's, he's, um, he's very, very uh, humble. He is fun to be with. He's talented in many ways. So I think it was a really wise decision uh, from the church. And, and also just the benefit of him already knowing the people, the culture uh, of the church. Uh, you know, it's for everything I hear, it's gone beautifully. And that's got to be. Yes. You know, they're, they're doing exceptionally well. Uh, it's all about DNA. When you talk yeah. about succession, you know, DNA and relationships are key. And, and one thing about Nick, you know, you mentioned him. He, when he was a teenager growing up in the church, he didn't do anything to forfeit 
his leadership. People loved him. He's much more like his mother than his father. Uh, he has a great likability. Um, you know, he's a likable guy. He's, he is humble. He is fun. And, uh, and, and with that, you know, the Lord has just blessed his personality who God made him. And the people, you know, are very, 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 very favorable. And that's one blessing, you know, when I came here, it wasn't like I could, A, I can't criticize the pastor or I'll be sleeping by myself at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, and I can't, and I had no commitment to do that because I'm, I'm his father and it's my fault if he hadn't done it right. And then uh, the other thing is, is that I couldn't go back if I wanted to go back. I mean, they have a pastor. So the point is, is that all the best God has used and I give him praise. It is a God praise of that. Uh, what has occurred. I celebrate with you and rejoice uh, at what God's done there. Man, the time always goes by very quickly when I'm talking to people that I learn from and enjoy. But I just want to say thank you, Dr. Floyd, for being with us today. I'm Pastor Well. Uh, I like to end with what I just call twinkling of an eye around, just a bunch of random questions. Uh, Just you answer however you like. So do you, do you have a dream car? If you could own any car, money weren't an object. You didn't have to worry about uh, appearances. Is there a car you'd love to have? It would probably be a a white Mercedes convertible. (laughs) Sweet choice. Uh, Do you have a favorite vacation spot where you like to go? Uh, Florida, Upper Panhandle, probably watercolor seaside, Destin area. We just like it mainly now because you've, we made a lot of memories there uh-huh. and, uh, and you know, it's all about memories. Yeah. Do you remember the first sermon you preached? Oh yes. I preached on being a hypocrite. Where was that? <laughs> oh, little old bitty Baptist church I grew up in called Faith Baptist Church in a little town called Yoakum, Texas. Uh, and I grew up in that town with 5,000 people. The church ran about 30 to 40. And the pastor asked me to do Baptist Men's Night and uh, Baptist Men's Day. And he let one guy do the morning and wanted me to do the night. And so I, I preached. And that, that messed my life up. I wanted to be a football coach. And from that moment, God began to put it in my heart to, uh, to preach the gospel. And so three months later, I surrendered to the ministry. Uh, in all seriousness, was the sermon any good? <laughs> no. It was probably awful. Yeah, I have taken my first one, and I, it will never see the light of day. It's it's humility, so I, I I get that. What what preachers had the greatest uh, impact on you, or were there guys that you listened to had a major influence on you? Well, I think probably looking back, and I go back into my younger years, uh, it would have to be uh, W. A. Criswell. It would have to be uh, preachers like Adrian Rogers. Um, a lot of people, different type of people, different leaders, uh, Ed, Ed Young Sr., uh, Jimmy Draper, uh, men that had different heart, um, uh, different, different, different styles of leadership. Um, you know, just a lot of those kind of guys that were so important. Dr. Vines was a, was yeah. a great mentor in preaching. And um, so I just learned so much. I, I just had, you know, and, and Herschel, you know, young guys today, they don't understand when, when you and I were their age of young, 
I mean, we didn't, we didn't know what they know now. I mean, because of technology, they know so much more about all kinds of preachers and, yeah. uh, and have the privilege to do that all the time. So thank God for that. Yeah, those are guys that shaped me greatly. Are, are there any secular authors that you like to read? Oh, I, I, I really uh, have enjoyed, um, you know, books about business. Um, I, I really have enjoyed those books because I was in an environment that, that really just, uh, you know, really bled that. The brother who wrote Good to Great, um, I can't remember his name right now, but, but I read a couple of his books that were just outstanding. Um, um, the gentleman who was the head of GE, he wrote, uh, he just passed away uh, a couple of weeks ago. Jack Welch. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, he, wrote, he, he wrote a leadership book. This was fabulous. And I remember reading a, a book that really helped me in leadership, quite honestly. Might surprise people, but after 911, I remember Rudy Giuliani uh, released a book, and I read that book about his, his conduct as mayor and about how he led through after 911, which was really powerful to me. Um, and so I read a lot of books on leading people, leading companies, leading all, all kind of, all kind of things. Right. And do you have a sugar stick sermon? Oh, I, you know, I think anytime, uh, if I really would be pressed, I'm going to preach Acts 1-8. I, I, that's just a, that's just who I am. I mean, you cut me, I believe the great commission. Um, and, and I, and I, and I'm ignited by the word of God, by the power of prayer and by the power of faith. Well, and that, that's, pretty well, that's pretty well who I am. That is exactly what I love about you. And I'm so grateful to get this time with you today. I want to say thanks for being with us on, uh, on pastor. Well, it's been a joy. Thank you, Herschel. Blessings to you and your wife. Thank you, sir. I want to say thanks to all of you who tuned in. If you've not yet subscribed, make sure you do so on YouTube or on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. And I look forward to seeing you again next time on Pastor Well.